Hi, this is Crystal Cyrus from the OOTW Podcast, and you're listening to Pop Goes Your World. I'm Chris McBrien, and the pop culture from Generation X is everything to me. And I'm Derek Myers, and I'm here to educate Chris on the great pop culture of today's generation. Episode 119, our favorite songs of all time. McBrien, along with caveman Derek Myers, and this is Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. You're going to find us on Twitter at Amaron underscore DM, that's for Derek, at C McBrien, that's me, and popgoesyourworld.com is our website with all of our contact information on it. Derek, what's going on this week, my friend, in pop culture for you? Hey, Chris. Uh, well, I have had a chance. Remember I told you last week my yeah. uh, my very generous friend gave me some movie passes? Yes, and this is the one who they, enters all the contests all the time. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. So uh, the movie passes expired at the end of November. So in the last weekend of November, which was the la- last weekend, uh, I had one last crack at this, and uh, my wife and I went out and we saw the new whodunit mystery movie called Knives Out. Oh, have you I've seen heard the about this. this. Do you know about this one? This is the guy that directed the last Star Wars movie, right? Yes, it stars uh, Jamie Lee Curtis mm-hmm. and um, uh, the guy who's James Bond and uh, Don Johnson's in it. And uh, it's it's got this huge cast, Christopher Plummer. It's got wow. this really big cast of, uh, of sort of who's who. And it's this uh, extremely wealthy family in this giant mansion. And uh, it basically begins with the maid finding the patriarch of the house has been killed, it, apparently by suicide. And then it's all about who's going to inherit the money. And there's this whole thing with the will. And then it's like, well, maybe he wasn't killed. And then um, Daniel Craig's character is brought in as an independent investigator to just validate what's going on. And oh, uh, the, uh, Chris uh, Evans, the guy who plays Captain America, he's in it. Um, so again, it's got like a sort of a who's who, uh, of Hollywood is in this movie and, um, and yeah, it was quite good. It runs a little over two hours, which I thought, oh, I hope this doesn't drag on, but, um, no, it was quite good. The, the, it's, it's a very good example of sort of a mystery of the mystery genre. I'm not, not a huge fan of this genre, but I'm thinking of classics like, uh, um, basically anything by Agatha Christie sort of would fall into this category. And, uh, no, it was quite good. I really enjoyed it. And. With any good movie that where there's a mystery, there should be some clues along the way so that you as the audience can try to solve the mystery before the characters in the movie solve the mystery. Like The Sixth Sense is an excellent example of that. Well, sure. Uh, this one, I, not as good as Sixth Sense. Don't get me wrong. That okay. movie was outstanding. But this one, after you sort of – all the details are revealed and you start to think back and you're like, oh, that was there. and Oh, they did say that. And oh, that sort of makes sense too. And so I think – I think it would benefit from a second viewing. I don't think I'm going to go back to the theater to see it again, but I am looking forward to seeing it again when it comes on to HBO or Netflix or whatever or on uh, Blu-ray on DVD. It, I think there would definitely be value in seeing it a second time once you once you know how all the pieces fit together. Uh, it was it was quite good. I really enjoyed it. And and um, you got it for free, right? Because I did. Your I buddy. did. So uh, awesome. shout out to Matt. Thank you again for the passes. Uh, I think I ended up seeing seven or eight movies on his passes, so that was Jeez. pretty good. And then uh, the other thing I've been watching. So yeah, I, I will. I'll give it yet another shout out. If you are not watching The Watchmen on HBO, you are doing yourself a disservice. Best show on TV right now. But also on HBO, I have been watching His Dark Materials, and uh, this this 
franchise is based on a series of books by uh, Philip Pullman. Uh, the first book in the is series it a couple years old? It's quite a few years yeah. old. The first book in the yeah, series okay. was called The Golden Compass. Mm-hmm. And uh, Golden Compass was released as a movie with uh, – also with Daniel Craig and with Nicole Kidman, uh, I want to say almost 10 years ago now. It did not do very well, so they obviously didn't bother making the other books into movies. But the books are very, uh, very well-renowned. I read the first book. I really enjoyed it. I couldn't really get into the second book, so I, I gave up on the series. But – uh, I'm watching this. Uh, season one is almost over on uh, on HBO. Uh, it's only got two more episodes left. It it's quite good. Uh, it's a little slow at the beginning, but uh, you know that that doesn't usually turn me off. I know that there's going to be some payoff. And as the as the series is continuing on, I'm remembering more of the details from the book and or from the terrible version of the movie that came out a few years ago. But uh, the problem I think with the previous movie was it was rated PG, so the violence was really toned down, and there are some pretty violent parts to this movie that are kind of critical to the main plot and with this hbo series it's uh it's for mature audiences as much of hbo's content is it's not as good as the watchman it's not as good as game of thrones but it's pretty good if you're looking for something in that sort of fantasy ish genre with like magic and stuff i think uh, i think people would enjoy it so I, i would recommend checking that out but i would say definitely give it a couple of episodes if you're sort of on the fence try and give it at least two shows and but but the watchman absolutely i cannot stress how great the watchman is it is super good very cool well what about you uh, as you know uh i am not like you i do not watch anything that's new i don't i don't experiment with anything new i just keep going back and watching the same things over and over again from gen x so one of those things that i will go back and watch all the time is three's company so it's on i think country music television yeah, or something like CMT that. And yeah. Toronto, yeah. Yeah. So they, they put it on every day. It's on like from eight to, to nine o'clock. They do back to back episodes. So uh, I watch all the time. And the good thing is it's one of those shows where my wife actually is like, Oh yeah, we'll watch this. I like this show. I'm like, great. So we watch it. And then I, I, I was watching it this past week and I, I kind of was, I got thinking about it. Now have you, you've watched three's company before, obviously. Right. Uh, not, not so much recently. Um, I remember watching it when I was younger and I like some of it. I, I find that show just, there were too many times in each episode when it was like awkward and embarrassing to watch. It's like, you're just sort of cringing as the characters are doing these things. And, and I, that's not something I enjoy when I'm watching a comedy. I know some people love it. And what's his name? John, John, I want to say John Tripper. Tripper's his character name. John Ritter. That's right. Me. Yep. Fabulous. I, I can't say enough good things about him, even on the reruns when I go back oh, yeah. and I'm like, even if I'm like, eh, this episode's not so great. That guy's money. He is yep. fantastic. Such a physical, physical comedian, too. Right. Yeah. I think it's yeah. almost overlooked how physical of yep. a comedian that he was. But no, I haven't. I haven't seen many. I, I haven't seen a full episode in that show in forever. And uh, um, yeah. But I love the theme song. So, oh yeah, it's great. So my question is this, and and if if you want to reach out to me on Twitter, you can get me at C McBrien. That's uh, C M C B R I E N, uh, and 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 answer this for me because my question is: if you ever watched Three's Company, I'm wondering if you have a favorite uh, co-star. If it was Chrissy, Cindy, or Terry. So Chrissy, of course, being um, Suzanne Summers. And then Cindy was um, Jenna Lee Harrison and Terry was Priscilla Barnes. So my favorite, hands down, no question, is Terry. I think Priscilla Barnes is just phenomenal. And I was actually struck by it going back and watching it at just how she is a beautiful, beautiful woman and, 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 and physical comedian. And she had some real 
acting chops. And it surprised me. And when I say acting chops, I mean, she's not going to win Academy Award or anything, but, but, but kind of in line with what you were mentioning about John Ritter, like she has, she's a very physical comedian. And, and I, I think she's very, very skilled. And I think she's also very underrated. And so I kind of went back and took a look at her IMDb page because I was curious. I'm like, I don't think I've ever seen her in anything else. And she's worked consistently over the years. Not a lot. She's done a lot of uh, TV and stuff like that, but she's worked consistently. But she just never really sort of broke out or really became, you know, you know sort of super famous or anything like that from it. But Three's Company, my favorite of the uh, the roommates was always Terry. So did, did you, uh, you've obviously seen all three of them at some point, I'm assuming. Yeah, Do definitely. you have a favorite? I, um, no, well, I didn't like the last one. What was her name? The the third. Oh, uh, that was that was Terry. She was the last oh, okay. one. Okay, who was before Terry? Uh, was Cindy. Cindy, yeah. She was like, just her, in between, never, you know. Because I, I never cared for her character. Yeah. Suzanne Summers, take her or leave her. I mean, yeah. very beautiful, and and that's great. But I just the idea of the sort of the bimbo ditzy character. I, it's not a character type that I've ever, uh, I, I've ever thought was a great character. Even as a young person, before more of an awareness and understanding of gender roles and all the rest of that. It just, it never appealed to me. I think one of the reasons I did like Terry's character was correct me if I'm wrong. Her character supposed to be a nurse. Yes. Right? So they went a different way. She was actually yeah. quite intelligent. She was yeah, educated. So, yep, yeah. Nurse. It was, she might still do like a, a fall down or a walk into a door kind of thing, but it wasn't like funny because she was derp. I don't understand what's going <laughs> on. Tee Look at me. Right. I'm a bimbo. There was never any of that with her character. No. And so I think, I think if I went back and watched the show, I'd probably agree with you. I think probably Terry would be my favorite of the three. Uh, and Janet's character, I never really loved her, hated her. It's like she was there. She was she was an important part of that threesome. And I think probably if you go back now, it's, you would realize how sort of underrated. It's like for any comedy pair, you always have to have a straight man so that the funny man can react with, right? And I think that, that Janet often got stuck sort of in that, that role where it's like she was the, the quote-unquote straight man to – to uh jack trippers you know fall down do something say something funny yeah but i think because yeah. uh, someone else uh, had mentioned it to me on twitter um or i put something on, on twitter and i was interacting with him about three's company and, and he was basically saying it's it's like the greatest sitcom ever um don't know if i'd go quite that far but i think it's it was damn good oh god it was a great sitcom i loved it it seemed like it was sort of the same thing week after week you know there's always some sort of mix-up you know, and there was like a, some misunderstanding, you know, every week the, the writers had to keep coming up with it. But it was a really good sitcom, man. So anyway, on that note, what do you say we get started? Hold on. I got I got to open a beer. I got to have a beer. Say, I need to take a big swig of mine. Too. <laughs> Let's have a drink because this is going to be a lot of fun. Almost like a pirate radio guy during the war. Like- <laughs> I just go back and watch Meatballs and Stripes and Smokey the Bandit and all those shows that I love. Instead of playing a bar, they should have played like a minor league hockey arena. Yeah. Jesus, man. Young man. Drive me crazy with this stuff. And that wasn't cool. Long duck dong. For those of you who have not been keeping count, I have. Jaws, Star Wars, and Raiders of the Lost Ark are my three favorite movies of all time. Holiday. Day rap. Yes, we're going to ring reggaeton for a holy day. All right, so this week we decided to take a look at our all-time favorite songs, and we wanted to take a bit of a different approach because, you know, Derek, you've many times have said that, you know, I sort of have the textbook answers on things and like that, and that's, and that's fair. That's a very fair criticism, I'm sure. But so this week we wanted to come up with a list of our favorite songs, that, but they're personal favorites so for whatever reason these songs just mean something to us we like them for whatever reason every time we hear them they just mean something special and uh, so yeah we decided to put together our top five list of our 
favorite songs of all time, personal favorites. Uh, I think you're going to be surprised with a couple of mine. I think a couple of ones you probably won't be surprised when you look back at the list, but I think one or two for sure. Um, I think you might be shocked that they're actually on my list. I don't know. We'll find out. It was really difficult to put the list together. For me, it was. Anyway, I don't know about you. Yeah, same thing. So just to echo what you said, again, like it's to, to put together a playlist. If someone said put together a playlist of 100 songs you like, like that's a difficult task in and of itself. But, you know, there's a lot of good songs over the years that I like. I could make that list. Wouldn't take me very long. So we're not necessarily looking for this was the biggest song of my life. It was the number one song. It made the most money. It's just these are five songs that that we really, really like that have some sort of significance or importance in our life. Um, and I think in the case of my five, I'm like, they were all pretty big hits. And I like to think that they're all pretty great songs even today. Cause some of them are going back quite a ways. Um, yeah. Yeah. No. I, so, uh, do you want to get us kicked off? Why don't you start with your number five and then we'll go back and forth all the way up to our number one, your number five favorite song of all time. All right, so let's go. So I found that I'm not going to rank them from like best to worst or worst to best. I'm just going to go chronologically and I'm going to start with the most recent ones and work backwards. Okay. So with that being said, my number five, my most recent song on my list is from uh, March of 2004 and it's the song Somebody Told Me by The Killers. Are you familiar with this song? Oh, I think, yeah. That's like you got a girlfriend that looks like a boyfriend or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, that. yeah. Okay. okay so, I'm familiar with it. Yeah. All right. So – uh, the Killers, uh, it's from their album Hot Fuss. It, uh, the Killers are from Las Vegas, which I didn't know at the time. But hey, as Mr. Las Vegas, that was just another uh, a plus reason to, to keep following this band. I've seen them in concert a couple of times as they've come through the Toronto area. I've uh, picked up most of their albums. This was like – this was their first big hit that I heard. Uh, apparently, the song Mr. Brightside was released before this one from the same album. But uh, this is the first time I heard this band was this song. And this was uh, in 2004. So this was right after I got married. I had been married about a year at this point. My wife and I had just bought our first house at this point. I was, you know, sort of, quote unquote, becoming a grown up. And due to a lot of changes that had happened in my life in the preceding few years, I hadn't really been following popular music. And up until this point, I, I had prided myself somewhat on being a pop culture aficionado and, uh, you know, I always was keen on what was going on in television. I always followed with movies, uh, even comic books and other things. But music was the one thing that I sort of had to give. Something's got to give. Music had to give. And so in the late 90s and early 2000s, I wasn't listening to popular music at all. Not at all. Uh, I, I had a CD player in the car and I was listening to some of my favorite CDs. I couldn't tell you one single song in the top 40. I didn't know any of the songs. And when this song came out, I just happened to have the radio on one day and I heard it and I'm sort of, you know, tapping my finger and humming along and thinking, wow, this, this song sounds really eighties and just something about it really just clicked with me. I really enjoyed it. And sure enough, within a couple of days later, I'm in the car again and the song comes on again because it was in heavy rotation. It's and uh, suddenly I'm like, oh, there's that song again. And then, I, you know, I had to make a point of looking it up. Well, who is it? who sings it and what's their band name stuff? And sure enough, I went out and picked up the album not long after that. Listened to the whole thing, loved it. But this one, somebody told me it's still to this day one of my favorites. And it, to me, it's important because it's sort of that song that got me back into popular music after uh, a short hiatus of a few years. And uh, basically from this point on, uh, I started listening to the top 40 again. I tried to stay current with what was new, whereas a lot of my peers by this point, I would have been, uh, what, 2004, 2005, I would have been uh, you know, like 30 years old. 
by this point, most of my friends were like, ah, you know, music's peaked. Like you said, music was perfect in the 1980s. Why listen to anything newer? That was a that was a belief that a lot of my friends uh, perpetuated. And so nobody was really listening to Top 40 radio anymore except me. And this was the song that sort of got me back into that. And uh, so for me, it, it holds an important place for me. So that's nice. my number five. Somebody told me by the killers. Okay, I like it. So of my top five, how many do you think of mine uh, came out after 1986? I would say exactly zero. Yeah, that'd be a good guess. I'm going to surprise you with one though, because one okay. one did come out a little bit, uh, a little bit, quite a bit later than that. But we're going to get to that in a little bit. I'm going to go back a little bit. I'm going to go back to 1986. Um, at the time, I was 16 years old, and I was really into heavy metal. Okay, so it wasn't really cool for me to like this kind of music, but I did. And one of my favorite songs of all time is "Bizarre Love Triangle." By New Order. Good pick. And it's funny, like I say, I was like, me and my friends were like metalheads, right? So New Wave. And, and I almost I almost wasn't allowed to tell my friends about it, you know? But when I think of 80s music and 80s songs, this is it. And the thing is, is that when I listen to this song, it not just sort of a, is the epitome of the 80s in terms of music. The thing is, it, it doesn't feel dated, like, like a lot of 80s songs I think you listen to and they just sound like they're dated. They just sound like, oh, that's the 80s. You know what I mean? But I got a few of those on my list, Chris. We'll get to that oh, in and, 10 minutes. And, and there's nothing wrong with those songs. I, that's one of the things I like about some of the 80s songs is that they're just steeped in the 80s so much that they just sound like the 80s. Like they could never have been made any other time. This song kind of transcends that for me. Like it's... There's something about the music in this. I mean, it, it's not, nothing to do with the lyrics. I mean, there's only like two verses and two choruses, right? And it, the song, like, it, it's not one of those songs that just goes on and on repeating itself with the lyrics. It, it's just this musical tour de force. Like, like the, the synths in it, the drums in it. It is an outstanding piece of music. And it, it for whatever reason, I liked it right from when I heard it. It was never a big hit when it came out. Um, not in North America anyway. And and even, with, like I say, with my friends and stuff, it was never a big hit, but it was personally something I always liked. And I just felt like in terms of, I was never one to get up on a dance floor and dance. I was a metalhead, right? I'm not going to do that. But if there was any song that you want to just get up and dance to, I think this is it. And so, like I say, for all those reasons that I just mentioned, it's my number five favorite song of all time. Bizarre Love Triangle by New Order from 1986. Nice. And I think one of the things to echo what you said about this song is it has been covered by a couple of bands over the years and re-released as a single by these other bands. And to me, when when other artists do that, it really speaks to the power of the original song, especially if the the cover can make it onto the charts again and and introduce the music to uh, a whole new audience of a new generation. And I think this song has done that a couple of times. So it's a great pick. That's a good song. Yep. Yep. So that's my number five. What do you got for number four? All right. Number four. Uh, again, so we started in 2004. This one goes to 1999. This uh, this one is What's My Age Again by Blink-182. Oh, man. You know what? We should get Yancey on here talking about this because Yancey lo- loves Blink-182. He would love that pick 100%. Well, what's not to love? So uh, it's from their album Enema of the State. Uh, the single was released in April of 1999. Uh, this is one of the – I'm – kind of shocked and a little embarrassed to admit this. This is the only song on my list that has an outstanding music video and the the music video is a big part of why I like this song. I, I had a list of like seven or eight 
almost on the lists. And most of those, a big part was like, this is a great video. This is a great video. This is a great video. This is the only one on my list where I'm like, this is a great video. And that's sort of the tipping point of how it made it on my list. So what's my age again? Blink-182 uh, came out in 99. Uh, so I bought the album, Anima, Anima of the State, on, D- on CD. And so in – in 1999, right after this came out, I had been working retail. I'd graduated from university. I had my degree. I'd been working retail because that's the only kind of work I could find. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I moved back home with my parents because I had no money. And I worked retail for a couple of years. And then around this time, I went, you know what? This is BS. I, I've spent all this time and energy getting a degree. I'm done. I'm going to I'm gonna figure out something else. So I took the summer off. And then I went back to school for a year to upgrade my education and uh, – Part of that one-year program, I got a, um, a co-op, uh, uh, like a work placement, and it happened to be with the company that I'm still at 20 years later. And when I got this job, they said to me, like, if you want to bring in a radio or a CD player or something, as long as you plug your headphones into it, we don't mind if you listen to that while you work. In fact, a lot of people do that because it can get really noisy on the floor. Well, this CD was one of the ones that I had in heavy rotation when I first started my first real job, my quote unquote first career job. And I think it's it's sort of ironic uh, in that the the lyrics of this song are all about not growing up and wanting to just keep being a kid and and shrug off those responsibilities. And, you know, they're making crank phone calls and they're doing all these things that are immature. And like, that's a whole, the lyric, right? What's my age again? It's like, well, how old are you? Are you, are you 12 or are you 20? Like, and so it just was this interesting parallel that this song that had this great tune, uh, that had these interesting lyrics and it's really short. The song's under three minutes, which is not typical for pop songs. And if we call this a pop song, you call it a punk song, a pop song, alternative song, whatever. Um, but I just it was it was catchy. The lyrics really spoke to me. And it has this great video where the three guys in the band are running around the streets of Los Angeles buck naked. Now, they weren't actually naked. I read up on it. They had these little flesh colored speedos. But because they were just running around with sneakers and what everyone assumed was just their naked bare asses hanging out, uh, it caused a lot of stir when they were shooting this video. And it's a very memorable video. And it got a lot of airplay on MTV back then when they were still showing music videos. And that was a big part of what help this song become such a big hit. And it's a big reason why so many people still remember the song because the video is so creative. It's just these three guys running down the street naked. And, uh, you know, again, it, it just echoes the whole idea of they're these guys, but they're immature. And here in this video, they're running around naked like you would if you were a teenager. And it just, it all sort of clicked and came together at the right time. So for me, this is my number four. What's my age again? Blink-182 released in April of 1999. I remember Yancey talking about this song on our podcast previously, and he mentioned the video as well and about them running around naked and stuff, and he, he loves this song, so you, know, you guys are kindred spirits. Okay, my number four. I actually have to give credit to somebody for my number four song, and that person I need to give credit to is you, Derek. So about a year ago, we did our favorite Queen songs, if you remember. I do, yes. And I love Queen. I've always loved Queen, but I'm also like, I and I admit it, I'm sort of stuck in what I like. And I just listen to the same songs and watch the same TV shows, just like I mentioned with Three's Company at the top of the show and the same movies. I watch Meatballs over and over again. I just kind of, that's just me. You know, I'm stuck in Gen X. But I'm also stuck in the fact that there's just certain things I like and I just listen to those songs over and over again. And I don't really try anything outside of that. And so when we did our top five Queen songs, I didn't even mention this as one of my top five Queen songs. You did. 
And then that made me kind of think, oh, well, maybe I need to like expand my horizons a little and listen to some. Because for whatever reason, this song was just never on my radar. And it's Don't Stop Me Now by Queen. And so I really started to listen to it. And like, I think I had heard it before, but not really, you know, like just kind of the way it is. And then I started listening to this song over and over. And I think it's Freddie Mercury singing it or whatever, but it's not even that. Like, 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 like also the, the fact that it kind of starts out slow and then it just kicks into this tour de force where the, the whole band comes in. It just blows you away. But it's, it's not even that either. The thing that is, is my kids. So my kids, I've been able to sort of inject sort of my love of Gen X pop culture into my kids. My kids are 10 and six and both my boys love this stuff, especially my 10 year old. He loves anything that I kind of introduced to him. Raiders of the Lost Ark, Star Wars, all this stuff he loves. And both my boys absolutely love this song. They just love it. And they'll sing along. And we, we, we get in the truck. We go, we're going to go somewhere. Daddy put on Don't Stop Me Now by Queen. I probably had to listen to that song a hundred times in the last couple months because I always got to put that song on because they love it so much. And so for those, those reasons, the fact that it's such a great song, it's one that I never really kind of discovered until recently. And also the fact that just it means so much to my kids and it's something I'm sharing with my kids and my kids have made me like this song so much. Um, even my oldest son, he's like I say, he's 10. Uh, last year, he had to do a speech in his school and he did his, did his speech on Freddie Mercury and he talked about how much he loved this song. And so it's been you and it's been them that have kind of really opened me up to this song. And I absolutely love this song. It has rocketed right up to one of my favorite songs of all time. I love it. So thank you to my kids and thank you to you, Derek. You're you're very welcome, Chris. And and it's like so I said, good. when we did our, our list on Queen, <laughs> yep. one of the reasons I love, love, love this song so much is every time I listen to it, it makes me happy. There's just something about the music, the composition of this song that instinctually makes me feel happy. No matter yes. how I'm feeling when I put it on, by the time the song's over, I feel happy. And it's one of the few songs that just no matter what all, has always done that. So I, I'm glad that it made your list. Yeah. So thank you for that. Okay, on your your number three, what do you got? Number three, well, uh, a list by two Canadians would not be complete without some Canadian content. So uh, I kind of felt obligated to put at least one on there, but uh, it wasn't much of an obligation because this song nicely fit into my list anyway. So uh, we go from 1999 with Blink-182 to 1993 with the Tragically Hip at the 100th Meridian from the Fully Completely album. Nice. So in 1993... I completed my last year of high school and I left home for the very first time to go away to university. And during that summer, uh, this this album fully completely was played nonstop on the Canadian uh, radio. You, you couldn't get away from it if you wanted to, but why would you want to? It's just hit after hit after hit. It's such a great – it's my all-time favorite Tragically Hip album. I could listen to it from front to back and all the words. It's, it's great. I love it. Uh, but the hundredth meridian isn't even necessarily the big. Well, it certainly wasn't the biggest hit off of this song, but it was a song that I did enjoy. Uh, and through the summer, you know, it just it was one of the four or five or six songs off the album that I liked, and and it was in heavy rotation. So, you know, I knew it and I heard it and all the rest of that. But as a uh, as an eighteen year old leaving home for the first time and and going away to school, I'm going to live in residence. It's in a different city. I'm not going to know anybody. I'm going to have a strange roommate who may or may not have positive influence on my life. Uh, may introduce me to his strange friend Chris. Like, you know, a lot of weird stuff could happen when you go away to school. <laughs> and um, 
So it, it was, you know, it was scary for an 18 year old to, to, to be in this situation, to be moving out for the first time. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, my dad drives me to school and, and, you know, like many fathers and sons, you know, you, you have this relationship. I had this relationship with my father where it's like, you don't talk about your feelings, right? It's like two guys, of course you don't talk about your feelings. So we have this four hour drive all the way to the university and we're just, you know, uh, chit-chatting nothing nothing important but you know there's nothing nothing crazy that's going on and you're trying to like you know hold in emotions and stuff and then when i'm getting when we can see the residents in the distance and i'm getting close to the school i'm really starting to like feel emotional and i'm starting to cry because i'm gonna miss my family and i'm not sure what i'm gonna do and you know is this the right decision for me and i'm like I'm starting to really think that maybe i made the wrong decision to go away to school or 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 you know maybe maybe this is not for me like i have no idea what to expect and then as we're pulling up to the to the residence, you can see that like they they always brought back students who had lived in the residence the year before for that first weekend to help everybody move in and help with orientation and just try and make everybody feel better. And it's like and these were just students who were only one year older than you, so they could still relate to you and they could give you the lowdown about school and teachers and and pubs and restaurants and all the rest of that stuff. So anyway, as we're pulling up, I can see all this and I'm like, oh my God, like I don't want to see all these people who can see me crying and who are all these people? But all of the windows on the residence that faced out to the street, all of the the students that uh, had returned had brought like their radios and stereos and they had put them in the various rooms with the speakers pointing out and they had all uh, been playing the same music. So as you were driving up the street, you could hear the music blaring. And when I pulled up, they were playing the song at the 100th Meridian by the Tragically Hip. And for some reason, just hearing that song made me feel better. And it was like, oh. Well, they're playing a song I know. They're playing a song I really like. And and it just – I was already like in this weird emotional place and like it was like after after being in sort of this sad zone, it was like, well, now I'm in this happy zone. I hear this song and it, it sort of turned things around. I mean it was still a very emotional thing to say goodbye to your parents and all the rest of that. But uh, but this song always – since then has always held a special place for me uh, as, as this, this important music that was playing at a very pivotal – point in my life so for me number three is at the hundredth meridian by the tragically hip okay so one thing that we always do on this show is at least i try to be i try to be as honest as possible um try to kind of put myself out there and so i'm going to be honest right now you're probably going to hate me and there's going to be people out there that hate me because the people on social media have hated me for this before but i know i'm canadian i know this is anti-canadian but i've never liked the tragically hip I, just, I know, I know. And it's, it's, uh, people have been all over me on social media in the past. They're like, you're not Canadian. You don't like the hip. What the hell's the matter with you? I just never liked them. They kind of just sounded like a glorified bar band. I don't know. And I know it's awful. Like, even one of our, our best friends of our podcast here is Kurt Kalin, and he's out west. He does this, uh, this great hip cover band that he's in out there, and, he, and he's an amazing musician, and he does a great job with them. But, and so he's going to listen to this, and he's going to send me <laughs> a message, I'm sure. It's just, I don't know. It's not, it's not like I don't hate on them. I just, I just never liked them. I don't know. I just never really got it. I never really got what was so great about them. And uh, I just never really liked them that much. So it's just, it's nothing against them. It's just, it's, I'm being honest. It just, I, I got to be honest. So um, well, good, uh, good on you for loving them. But I just, I never really got the hip. And, and I, I, yeah, feel so, like I'm, I feel like I'm an anti-Canadian for it. Well, let me add. So I, I'm a big fan of the Tragically Hip. I'm a big fan of their first three, even four albums. But their last couple, to me, just we're not great. It, it, like bands grow, bands change. And as they moved away from the sounds 
that were prevalent in the fully completely album and started to move into more, I don't know, it was more like mellow kind of music. It just, I, I didn't really connect with the, the last couple albums, but these first two or three were still to this day. If you said, I want to rank your 100 favorite albums, best albums of all time, this fully completely definitely makes my list as probably does um, Road Apples, the one that came before it. So anyways, right. what's yep. your number three? Uh, so my number three, I'm going with uh, my favorite band of all time and they are a band Again, music is not my hugest, my biggest thing. And you kind of touched base on this before. Like, I'm more into, like, movies and TV shows. And music isn't my big thing. Yancey was always the music guru kind of around here. But that being said, uh, my favorite band of all time is also a band that absolutely changed the world. I, I can't believe that a band has this capability. But they did. And the Beatles changed the world they changed the world just with their music which is incredible and if you think about the time frame that they did it in we're talking about 1964 to 1970 we're talking six years and the amount of songs that they did and the influential songs that they created in, in a span of six years is mind-boggling when you think about um you know just pick any modern type band like over the course of six years, they might put out two albums. <laughs> like, like this, like the Beatles were just incredible. But my favorite, my favorite song of the Beatles is one of their last songs because, to me, when I was a kid too, I first sort of really got into the Beatles when um, uh, my my parents had. I don't know if you remember this, but there was like a red and a blue album of like the best of Beatles, and yep, the, yeah, and the red was like all the early stuff, and the blue was like the later stuff, and. I always gravitated toward the blue one, the later stuff. And to me, Let It Be is one of the greatest songs ever. And, and to me, it's 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 their best song. It's one of my favorite songs of all time. It's almost like a coda to their career. It's like the cherry on top of their contribution to the world. If you look at the six years that they spent, it's kind of like they finished off. I think the song that most people associate with the end of the road for the Beatles is, is The Long and Winding Road. But to me, it's Let It Be. And it's just kind of like we did all this stuff and then there's that song. And, and and I'm not one to play the piano a lot. I can play. But any time that I sit down at a piano or I'm, you know I get a chance, the song always inevitably that will come out of me is Let It Be. I'll play Let It Be on the piano and sing it. And I just, I love that song. It's fantastic. I played it at my wedding. I just love the Beatles. And like I say, so for all those reasons why I love the Beatles and why I love that, that song is my number three favorite song of all time. It's a very simple song, but it's a very meaningful song. And the lyrics I just love too. Um, it's, it's not, I'm not an overly religious person, but this song doesn't strike me as really it almost strikes me as being kind of spiritual in a way i don't know it's kind of hard for me to explain it all and like you mentioned before the comp composition of a song is very important and uh let it be my number three favorite song of all time good pick yeah definitely one of my favorite beatles songs too i really like that song a lot <laughs> i really yeah. do so yeah. all right uh, number two my number two uh, my number two will probably speak more to your youth than uh, than you might think. Again, we're going we're going back in time. We were 2004, 1999, 1993. We are now moving to 19, 1988. Ooh, now we're getting into my wheelhouse. Uh, the song is "Pour Some Sugar on Me" by Def Leppard. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. From the album Hysteria. Yep. So, I would have been fourteen. Sure. I would have been 13, 14 years old around the time this came out when Hysteria was released. I was aware of Def Leppard, but not really a big fan of their music that had come before this. 
Um, but this was about the time in my life when I started to get an allowance and I st- – well, I probably got an allowance before this. But where I started actually having a little bit of money, like disposable income. I was you know, 12, 13, 14 years old and I was buying things that I wanted because I wanted them and not – because my parents approved of it or my parents went out and got it for me. Although I guess technically if I got an allowance from my parents, they did buy it for me. Um, so this was around the time when I started buying my own music. I was buying my own records. I was buying my own cassettes. And I remember Hysteria being one of the first uh, musical cassettes I actually bought with my own money. And again, the Hysteria album was amazing. It is still amazing. It had like five or six singles released and played on the radio and uh, you know again it's just it's excellent front to back with a huge amount of hits on this one and i remember one of the very first times i heard this song was in the summer i guess it would have been the summer of 88 and um i I mentioned on this podcast before i have cousins that are about my age that i would spend summers with in sudbury which was where my mom's family was from and um my cousins uh um had this huge group of friends. So whenever I went to visit them, there was always people around. There was always five or six or seven kids around no matter what. And so it was always a party. And you know, you're a 13, 14 year old and it's always a good time. Well, I remember, um, one of them, I don't remember who had said like, Hey, uh, you know, I recorded the Friday night video show a couple of nights ago and there's this great song and I got to play it for everybody. I don't know if you've heard it or not. And it, it was pour some sugar on me and we hadn't heard it yet. And so my cousin cues it up, but he goes, hold on a minute. So his parents had this stereo with these gigantic speakers. Like they were massive. They were way bigger than the, the that they you would ever need in a house this size. And they were on opposite sides of the room. And my cousin literally takes them and moves them behind the couch and lays them down on their side, the two speakers side by side, pointing at the couch. And he adjusts the bass and he adjusts the volume and he, and he plugs it into the TV and he cues up, pour some sugar on me. And he's like, OK, we're ready. And he plays the video. The video is not anything great. It's just the band performing at a concert. Like it is what it is. But the song was great. And I think really what was so uh, uh, memorable for me was he cranked this thing up so loud. His parents used to leave us in the house during the day when they went to work because we were 14, 15 years old. And he had an older brother. My, my cousin was like I think around 18 at the time. So we had quote unquote adult supervision. But we got away with a lot of crap. So – Cranks this thing up as loud as it'll go to a, totally to 11. This one goes to 11. Cranks it up to 11, plays the song. We're all sitting on the couch and you've got the giant speakers just blaring against the couch. And with every beat of the drum, the whole – the woofers are bouncing against the couch and like everything in the house is shaking. And we're like feeling the vibrations of this music going through us. And we're watching the video and we're hearing the song and we're like – Wow. Like it just blew us. It's like those old Memorex commercials. Remember where the guy's in the chair and the music comes on it? Like just everything in the room gets pushed. Like it felt like that. It's just you felt the music in your whole body. And it was such a such a significant way to experience a song for the first time that I, I never forgot it. And and I always loved this song. I'm sure largely because of this. It just it was, it was such an influential and memorable point for me. And uh, it just reminds me of those summers that I spent with my cousins and having this great time and just experiencing this song in a way that it's, I've never experienced a song like that for the first time 
ever before that or since then. It was it's just it was so great to to have it experienced that way for the first time. So that's my number two. Pour some sugar on me. Def Leppard from 1988. Very cool. I was a big Def Leppard fan when I was younger, too. I'm older than you are. Like when I, I was more of a fan of Pyromania when it came out. And so, like, as I mentioned before, I was a bit of a metalhead when I was younger. I also played electric guitar. And I remember like. I love Rock of Ages, and I remember like trying to like when I would play the guitar, trying to learn how to play Rock Rock Till You Drop, Photograph, and Foolin' from from Pyromania. And I almost felt like when they got to the the next album with uh, with Animal and stuff, and when with this song, when Pour Some Sugar on Me came out, I almost I don't want to say that they were sellouts, but it was almost like oh they they just got too big. I liked them better when they were kind of like smaller, and I kind of thought they were cool. But uh, that's a great pick. Great pick for all the reasons that you mentioned. And, I, and I've seen them. Uh, I've seen them in concert. Jeez, uh, like three or four times now. Oh, over oh the very years. cool. Very cool. Yeah, and, uh, and tragically, hip. I actually managed to see them on their very last tour. Uh, Gord Downey recently passed away, had been diagnosed with a brain tumor, and so he did like sort of the farewell tour. So that was the only time I ever saw the tragically hip perform was in one of the very last shows. I never did see Blink-182, although I was supposed to when I was at school, but they got stopped at the border and weren't allowed to come into Canada. So maybe, like maybe that's because they were maybe that's because they were naked. You know, that's why they weren't allowed it. Maybe. Um, OK, so my number two is going to surprise you a little bit, because remember, when I said, how many songs do you think that I would like that are after 1986? And you said zero. Well, there's one. Is this Britney Spears? Because I know you have a soft spot for Britney Spears. I do. <laughs> when have I ever mentioned that, like Britney Spears? I think she's kind of like trailer trash. Um, okay. So this song actually didn't just come out in after 86. It didn't even come out in the 90s. It came out in 2003. So I know this is going to blow people away that I actually like a song, you know, that's that new. It's Where Is The Love by the Black Eyed Peas. I I don't know what it is about this song. So from a musical point of view, it's clean and sharp. It makes you sit up and take notice right away, like a lot of their songs do. I've never been one, I gotta admit, I've never been one to be really to really get into the the lyrics of songs. Like a lot of times I just listen to the music. I enjoy the music. I think because I, I play piano, I play guitar, so I, I enjoy music. But lyrics have never been something that really grabbed me for the most part. Sometimes I don't even really pay attention to the lyrics, but this is a song, I think just because it starts so clean and crisp. And, and as I've mentioned before, as you know, I'm a big softy, you know, uh, for, in regard to just, I don't know, just, just equality and things like that in, in the world, you know, like, I mean, I know I'm a big softy for that kind of stuff. And this song, the lyrics, when they come in, I'm just like, wow. And I just listen to this song and I'm just almost mesmerized by it. And just some of the messages that they're talking about, like, you know, when, when, when it starts out, you know, almost right away and they're, they're talking about like, can you practice what you preach? Will you turn the other cheek? And then what really gets me is, I think it's like later in the song when they're talking about things like whatever happened to the values of humanity, whatever happened to fairness and equality. I don't know. There's just something about this song that is just very, very impactful. It's, it's not quite like a lot of their other music and some of their other music is very catchy and like these guys are talented. I will give them that. But this song's a little bit different. It's like to me, this song has some really important messages and it harkens back to kind of those kind of idealistic songs that you used to get from like John Lennon and stuff. And so for those reasons, I 
I really like Where Is The Love a lot. And it's one of those songs that every time I hear it, I just, oh, it just gets me. And it, it almost, it's almost an emotional song. Just, I think it's so important. And, you know, like, as I've said before, like, I, I you know, not to get political on the podcast, but as I've, I've mentioned before, like, sometimes I just sit back and wonder, like, with, with all the, with all the hate in this world, sometimes it's just like, where's the love, you know? And this song just captures it perfectly. So it's my number two favorite song of all time. A bit of a surprise, I'm sure, but I, it is. I have never, I don't know this song at all. Wow. Okay. So I'm going to challenge you to maybe when we're done with the podcast, before we come back next week, just go and listen to this song. Where is the love by the Black Eyed Peas? Just, okay. okay. So just make a note of it. Do me a favor, please, as some homework, just, just listen to this song. And then maybe we'll talk about it at the top of the, the next show. I, I just, I, I don't know. There's something about this song. It just blows me away every time. So fair enough. Number two, well, it's, number it, two it of all time. It falls into that musical dead zone, right? Remember I sang at the top of the yeah, show? Yeah, yeah. Right. I sort of got back into music. I get so it. This came yeah. out in 2003. It was right in that dead zone. So there's a lot of music between like 2000 and 2003 that it's like, I have no idea. Never heard it or it doesn't sound familiar. So yeah, I'll go back. Maybe it's when I hear it, I'll be like, oh, I think I know that song. But I'm pretty just sure off the title, that you would. doesn't. I'm pretty sure that you would. If it'd be one of those things that, you know, people killing, people dying. I think I really think if you heard it, you'd be like, oh, I know that song. I've heard it before. Ah, oh, so good. All right. Well, All right. I'll I'll look it up and give it a listen after the show. Oh, so good. All right, on to your number right. one number one number favorite one. personal song of all time. All right. This well, my number good. one uh, song again. I'm not doing a countdown from worst to best. This is I'm just, just working your way in back in chronological yeah. order. So I'm working my uh, way. My up, list. So. My list would not be complete without a song from a movie soundtrack, uh, a big song from a big movie soundtrack. Oh, the, we're going the all the way back to Titanic. 1985. Chris, any guesses? 1985. Uh, 1985. Uh, I'm going to say the Goonies are good enough for me. Uh, no, <laughs> I don't know. What they is are it? not good enough for my list. Uh, my number one song is "The Power Love" by Huey Lewis and the News from oh, the Back to the Future that's soundtrack. A good, oh, that's a good one. I like so, Huey Lewis. Again, I, I was when I was a uh, younger, I had to like heavy metal, like that was my thing with my me and my friends. But I always liked Huey Lewis too. I, my girlfriend liked Huey Lewis at the time, and so I like I kind of got into it. That's a good pick. I like it. Tell me, yeah. tell me a bit more about about it and so, why you like it. Uh, as I mentioned, some of the songs on my list made the list in part because of their music videos. This one had a really boring music video because the the song was released before the movie came out and the video was shot before the movie came out. So I believe that part of the part of the problem was they either weren't allowed to show clips of the movie in the video or the movie wasn't finished and they couldn't get them clips from the movie. So you have Doc Brown driving up in the DeLorean at the start and at the end of the movie. But other than that, it's just Huey Lewis at a concert venue singing the song. It's a, it's a really boring video. Um, but the mu- the movie Back to the Future, outstanding movie, ruled the box office in '85. Is one of my all time favorites. It's a classic. Whenever it's on, I have to watch it. Uh, we we've talked about the great Michael J. Fox many times on this podcast. You even talked about uh, seeing uh, uh, the cast of Back to the Future at the Fan Expo a couple of years ago. I mean, Back to the Future is an important movie in pop culture, and. Power Love by Huey Lewis and the News is an important part of this movie. This song and the 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 score of the of the movie includes riffs from the song. Even Huey Lewis makes a, a small guest appearance in the movie. Um, but the song is just it's catchy. It's great. It, this is after Huey Lewis has put out his sports album with uh, "Want a New Drug" and "The Heart of Rock and Roll." So like Huey Lewis at this time is a pretty big artist. And my understanding is 
he had been contacted by a couple of other uh, movie groups uh, and, and asked to do soundtrack work and he had turned it down. And then there was the whole controversy about the Ghostbusters soundtrack where Ray Parker Jr. apparently lifted the musical riff from I Want a New Drug and there was a whole legal battle and Huey Lewis was so sour about the whole thing that the next time someone came to him and said, do you want to do a movie thing? He's like, gosh darn it, yes, yes I do. I want to get in on this because it's been nothing but grief up until now. And man, oh man, couldn't have picked a better one with this. So uh, in addition to the song being a great song and being part of a great movie and as a 11, it came out in 85. So as an 11 year old, I would have been young and impressionable. Uh, this is sort of another coming of age kind of story for me. This would have been around the time when um, my parents were starting to let me uh, give me a little bit of independence. Uh, you know, you would go outside and play with your friends. You would go out and ride bikes and all the rest of that. But this was about the age when my parents felt I was responsible enough and when I was with the right group of friends that I could go to the movies by myself because we had a movie theater just down the street. And uh, in the summer, uh, we were able to go and see matinees of Back to the Future, which I believe at the time they were still doing $2 Tuesdays way back then. That's how little it used to cost to get into the theater. And so we probably saw Back to the Future a dozen times that summer. And <clears throat> excuse me, it was just, uh, you know, again, it was it was an important time in my life as a young, impressionable 11 year old to to have this responsibility you go to the movies by yourself i mean you still have to tell mom and dad where you're going and i still have to pay for the movie which i probably did with my allowance it was all of two bucks um but i I, the song just has always stuck with me it's one of my i love huey lewis i've seen my concert a couple of times um it's this is still my absolute favorite huey lewis in the new song it is in fairly heavy rotation on any channel that plays classic hits of the 70s and 80s uh Again, it's got a boring music video, but even the video used to be on pretty regular rotation on the video channel. And Back to the Future, again, a great movie. It comes up all the time on cable. You just can't escape this song. If you don't like this song, like you got to really go out of your way to, to avoid it. It is it is everywhere. It was in 85, and even to this day, it's still played a lot. And this is uh, this is my number one song on my list, Power Love, Huey Lewis in the News. Man, that's a good one. I like that one a lot. And the thing with Huey Lewis, too, I mentioned earlier, like, you know, I, I kind of liked it. I always liked Huey Lewis. Um, they actually had some pretty good guitar in some of those songs. You mentioned uh, uh, I Want a New Drug. And, like, there was some pretty good guitar playing going on, good soloing and stuff. I don't know. Huey Lewis was awesome. Like, great vocals, too, eh? Like, just yeah, when we great, saw him, uh... great, great vocals. We saw him perform at uh, the uh, Niagara Falls Casino like five or six years ago, and he was doing like, uh, uh, you know, it was a greatest hits tour. I think they had put out a, a DVD. It was like Huey Lewis 20 years later or 25 years later or something, and he traveled and performed with like this huge jazz band. So like you had 12 or 15 or 18 performers on stage for a lot of these songs, and many of the songs already had that in there, but – it was really interesting to hear some of your favorite songs performed a little bit differently, and you, it's almost like it's almost like when you watch a movie a second time and you notice details you hadn't picked up before. Hearing the songs performed in this way, it like lets you enjoy the song in a way that you maybe hadn't enjoyed it in a long time, if ever before. So, yeah, no, and this, of course, this was uh, this was one of the ones that I look forward to the most. So, yeah, that's my number one. Okay, so my number one song I mentioned before, um, how the Beatles changed the world, you know, with their music. And they definitely changed my world with their music. And it's funny when a band that is that good, you know, breaks up like they did in 1970. Um, where do they go from there? Like nothing that they're going to do afterward. And the thing with Lennon and McCartney was as a team, they were just so good. There was just something about like 
capturing lightning in a bottle. Those two together, they oh, just unbelievable. Just 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 the artistry. So when they go their separate ways, it's like there's no way they're going to ever be able to do anything as good as that again. Well, hold the phone. <laughs> because for me, in 1971, John Lennon came out with just a song that can that absolutely changed the world, in my opinion. And it's my favorite song of all time, and that's Imagine. I love this song. I mentioned how before, sometimes if I sit at a piano, I'll play Let It Be. The other song that I'll play is Imagine. Um, it, it was in The Killing Fields, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. And we've, we talked about that on, on the show before. Obviously, there was, a, there was an episode of WKRP in Cincinnati where they talked about this. So it's, it's kind of interwoven into a lot of the pop culture that I love. But this song is so, so good. And the thing is, is it, it had, it received some criticism, you know, because, you know, well, that's a song about a world without religion. You know, there's no religion and there's no God and there's no heaven and there's no hell. But that's not what the song's about. The song isn't about those. It's just, it's not saying, you know, wouldn't the world be good without those things? It's just saying, just imagine it. Just imagine what the world would be like if they didn't have religion or hunger or greed. You know, imagine if there was just no possessions. And I love the lyric when he says, you know, you may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you'll join us, you know, and the world will be as one. Again, it goes back to me being a kind of a big softy uh, in terms of this and sort of a real idealist. I have been my whole life, but this song just kind of encapsulates all the things that, that all of my values that, that, that hold, that I hold strong about the way the world should be and the way that maybe we should just look at the world sometime and step and stay back and step back and look at it a different way. And this song has always spoke to that. So for me, Imagine is my favorite song of all time. I love it. Good pick. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, it's one of those songs that kind of just transcends everything. And it just, it's just, I don't know. It, it can change the world and it can also change your life. If you, if, if you change your perspective and look at things, I just, I don't know. I just think it's just an unbelievable song. Unfortunately, Yoko Ono, I apparently had a lot to do with the song, but you know, that aside, God, this song is so, 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 so good. Anyway, um, there's our top five personal favorite songs of all time. I think now we should have some fun with caveman. All right, my man, here's what we're going to do. I know music, you mentioned earlier, music's not really like your, you know, right in your wheelhouse. You know, you're more of a movie, you know, TV guy to guy. So am I. And I mean, Yancey was always kind of the music guru around here. But here's so, what hey, I want. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I know a little bit about Oh, music. you do. You definitely know more I'm, than I'm not me. Chris level ignorant. No, but. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you're, not, you're not me. Just imagine a world with no music. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to see how much you know about some really, really sort of popular songs. I'm going to keep it pretty popular, so it, sh- it shouldn't be too hard for you. And okay. what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you the first line or two oh my God. of a okay. song and just with the lyrics and just see if you can name the song. Some of them, super easy. I think other ones, it's harder. When you when you hear, like when I, when I was writing out the lyrics and I'm looking at them and I'm like, you know, if I don't sing it, it's a lot harder. <laughs> like if you sing it, immediately you know the song. But if you right. just speak it, it's a little more difficult. But that being said, I think some of them are easy. So anyway, here we go. I'm going to give you the first line or two of a song. See if you can name the song, okay? Okay, okay. All right, start with some easy ones here. Big wheels keep on turning. Carry me home to see my kin. I have no idea. You don't know that? I thought, no. I thought with the easy... Sweet Home Alabama. Sweet Home Alabama. 
Sure. Okay. All right. Picture yourself. I, I know the song. I just I don't. I right. don't get P- catch later. Well, well, Cape Man. Picture yourself in a boat on a river with tangerine trees and marmalade skies. Oh, the, well, that's the Beatles for sure. That's um, is that Lucy in the Sky? With it Jones? is. There yes. we go. All right. It's nine o'clock on a Saturday. The regular crowd shuffles in. That uh, it's by Billy Joel. It's uh, is that the Piano Man? Yeah, I'm not a big fan of Billy Joel, but yeah. uh, I do know his music. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you know his music. All right, again, here's another easy one. She's got a smile. It seems to me reminds me of childhood memories. Oh, it doesn't sound. Sorry, could you repeat it for me? She's got a smile. It seems to me reminds me of childhood memories. That's uh, Guns N' Roses. Mm-hmm. Sweet Child of Mine. Man, good. See, you can do this. See, some people call me the Space Cowboy. Some people call me the Gangster of Love. And some people call me Maurice. <laughs> this is. Uh, uh, oh, jeez. I know the song, and I'm blanking on the title. This is. Uh, uh, oh my God, Chris! I can't think of the freaking title of this. Some people call me the Space Cowboy. Is it a Steve Miller band? It is the Steve Miller band. It's uh, it's uh, the gangster. Uh, uh, I can't think of it. I'm sorry. I don't know. It's the Joker. Oh, the Joker. Yes. At first, I was afraid. I was petrified. This that's uh, Gloria Gaynor. I will survive. Good. See, you can do this. How about this one? You put the boom boom into my heart. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's wham. That's uh, uh, is that uh, wake me up before you go go. Wake me up before you go go. Very good. I don't know the titles. It's like I know the song. I know. Yeah. I have to like sing it really fast. Okay. Uh, these are these are easy. These are easy, right? Uh, we can dance if we want to. We can leave our friends behind. Yeah. This is uh, this is what you get when you search for our podcast in Google, and it says, "Did you really mean?" Um, Pop Goes the World by Men Without Hats, but this wasn't Pop Goes the World. This was, uh, sorry, can you read me the lyric again? We can, can dance, dance if we want to. We can leave our friends behind. No friend of mine. Yeah, is it? No, this was, yeah, is this Pop Goes the World? No, it's not. It's Safety Dance. Safety Dance. I knew it was Men Without Hats, so yeah. I'm like, I have 50 It, 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 it is. It came up before that. All right, here's an easy one. I get knocked down, but I get up again. That's uh, Chumbawamba. Tub thumping. Very good. See, you can do this song. I love this song. All right. Been working so hard, I'm punching my card. Is that uh, Footloose, Kenny Loggins? It is. See, it's easy, right? There must be some kind of way out of here, said the Joker to the thief. Is that uh, that all along the watchtower? See, you can do this. It's so easy. And the last one, this is an easy one, too. I think, I don't know, I love this song. A man walks down the street. He says, why am I soft in the middle now? That's, uh, I know this. This is uh, Paul Simon. Soft in the, is, this, uh, is this Graceland? No, close. It's from the album, Graceland, but it's You Can Call Me Al. Call Me Al. Yes. That is a great video with Chevy Chase. Oh, it's one of the greatest That's music videos so of Chris, all time. Chris, I got one for you. Yeah, yeah. There, we used to have a board game okay. where this was one of the categories, and I rem- to this day, I remember one that I got wrong. Okay. That it was largely due, just like you said, when you hear the, the lyrics spoken, 
you don't necessarily think of the music. So I remember my friend, he read me the clue. Okay. And I'm like, I have no idea. And then he sang me the clue. And, I and you got it, it right away. It. Yeah. Okay. So the lyric was, the lyric is, I've got chills. They're multiplying. Oh, it's uh, Summer Nights. It's, yeah, something from Greece. I don't know yeah, what song Greece. But, yep. but yeah. And then, so I'm like, like, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, I've got chills. They're multiplying. And I'm like, I don't know. It sounds oh, science fiction. Yeah, is it like thriller? And yeah. And he starts singing it. And I'm like, oh my God, how did I miss that? And he thought that was the most, because he's like, after he said, it, he goes, I deliberately read it that way so that you wouldn't get it. And I'm like, well, that was smart of you because I didn't get it, but. Oh, you did pretty good. I mean, you, you got a couple wrong. You had about four wrong. But I mean, hey, that was, you did really well. I mean, and again, it's really – it's a lot harder, you know. And, and a lot of times, even the ones that you got wrong, you, you, you had the right artist. You just maybe just got the wrong Or I song. knew the lyric and I yeah. – like the, the joker. I'm like – could just couldn't come up with it fast enough. I tried to go easy on you and give you all the easy ones. So uh, well, I appreciate that. Now, as I mentioned before, if, if, if you know, if, if you have any suggestions for topics uh, for our top five list, make sure you reach out to us on Twitter at Amaron underscore DM for Derek – at C. McBrien for me. But another thing that we do around here, other than top five lists, is we also do movie reviews. And next week, we are going to be coming up with another movie review. And this time, Derek, it's over to you to suggest a film. What do you got? All right. I am going to recommend something very recent that I am well, positive you have never seen. If it's, re- if it's recent, you it's very much- recent and you've not seen movies recently. <laughs> you can pretty okay. much guarantee. <laughs> I'd like you to watch the 2016 movie arrival not to be confused with the crappy charlie sheen one from the 90s called the arrival this one is called arrival it stars uh amy adams jeremy renner forrest whitaker it's directed by uh, dennis villeneuve who uh is known for directing other movies like sicario and blade runner 2049 he's directing the new dune movie this movie arrival blew me away when i saw it i saw it at the toronto film festival uh it's north american premiere I, I i it just it literally blew me away I had to go and see it. It came out in theaters like about a month after. I had to take my wife to see this movie. I went back to the theater and saw it with her again. She loved it and she's like, I can't wait to watch this movie again when we get it on home video. I've probably watched the movie six or seven times and it's only a few years old. It just – there's so much going on in this movie. We both – my wife and I really liked it. I know you're going to hate it but I'm telling you to watch it anyway. Hopefully there's enough there that we can uh, find some middle ground on. Uh, So that's what I'd like you to watch. Arrival. Starring Amy Adams, Jeremy Renner from 2016. We'll come back next week and talk about it. All right. So Arrival. Now, this sounds like something that Yancey might have thrown at me. Is this is this like a science – this is like, you know, some science fiction thing. It is, it is a, thing a science fiction weird. movie, yes. It's not like – It's not post-apocalyptic. Future. Oh, good. Oh, good. At least there's that. But, but yeah, is, no. It is, it is heavily veined in sci-fi. I don't want to ruin really anything. So try not to read anything about it if you okay. can find no, it. No, I, I, I never I, do. It might I never still be do. available on Netflix. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Just just try to sit through the whole – well, definitely sit through it in oh, one viewing because yeah. there's, it's one of these ones where there's a lot going on and like you're going to miss the payoff in the last 20 minutes if you forgot what happened in the first hour because you split it up over two nights. So please try to watch it in one sitting. I think you'll get a lot more out of it that way. I will definitely uh, do my best to, to watch it all in one go. I will definitely watch it, no, no question. Uh, I don't even know if I've even heard of it before. Go figure. Uh, but I will definitely give it a try. 2016 Arrival with Amy Adams, you said, right? Yep. Okay. Well, let me make sure and watch it. And then, uh, if you, like I said, if you want to reach out to us on Twitter, at Amaron underscore DM or at C. McBrien or popgoesyourworld.com is our website. Make sure you go ahead over the website. You can send us an email. 
But uh, until next time, this is Chris McBrien for Derek Myers saying thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. Thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World. You can contact Chris and Derek at popgoesyourworld.com. Please take a minute and review the podcast on iTunes or wherever you download and listen to the show. 